everyone, and welcome to episode two of the iCast. My name is Aaliyah. Yes, I am now going to be hosting this show for the time being, and today I am here with Jason Earls. Whoever that guy is. Anyway, hi guys. And Michael Doeys. Hello, everyone. That big scary guy. Yes. So, <laughs> my plan is to uh, reboot this show, as it were. We started it last year, and it didn't really take off. So we are going to try to bring it back and keep it going. Um, With that being said, I do want to encourage, this being a very young show, for people to email us or get in touch with us with any suggestions you might have for segments on the show, uh, for news items, for topics, any of that. This is a very new show. It is it is flexible. We are very open to suggestions and things. So if you have any ideas, email iCast. That's I-C-A-S-T at iAccessibility.net. Um, very nice and easy email address. You can also use our feedback at iAccessibility.net email address. and uh, Or get in touch with us on Twitter. So... We also have our Slack channel. We do. iAccessibility.net slash Slack. That's hard to say. Um, so, my purpose for this show is for it to not be just another Apple show. I want to make it unique. And part of making it unique is by listening to you guys. Um, getting input from you as to what we should talk about as far as our main topics. We're going to cover a few news items in our news section. We'll have a segment called Beyond the Gallery where we're going to talk about shortcuts. And then we'll have a main topic that we discuss every month. And this show may not be quite as long as some of our IA cast episodes. It may be. Um, it's going to be just kind of a go-with-the-flow kind of show. Hey, poet. And um, we're going to, you know, really be looking to make this show different. And so, with that being said, that's that's kind of the purpose for our show. And we wanna we wanna focus it on Apple, but we don't wanna focus on the same old stuff you're gonna hear everywhere else. So we wanna we wanna take a different track here. And so, again, get in touch with us if it, if you have any suggestions. So, in other words, yeah, there was an Apple event last month, AirPods, iPads, blah, 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 big deal. Moving on. Now, what's actually important? Anyway, so, <laughs> um, there was that big Apple event, but everybody's already talked that to death. So, in our news, last minute, very, very last minute in terms of the court proceedings going on, Apple and Qualcomm have reached a settlement agreement. Um, and that's, that's very interesting. Um, did anybody think this was going to happen? No, I would definitely agree with that assessment. I didn't think it was going to happen. Um, I wasn't quite sure who was going to win that particular, uh, uh, words. I need words. Uh, case, case. Yes, case. I was trying to think of a different word, but I it clearly escaped me. Um, but yeah, I wasn't quite sure who was gonna you know win that case, but obviously they've they've settled and pretty surprisingly. So uh, 
Yeah, it's kind of interesting how all that money has been spent on all the legal stuff, and it was kind of getting ready to go to trial, and was gonna go to trial, and then, whoop, settlement. Hello. Oftentimes, what happens in these kind of court things, though, nobody wants to go through with a big, open, nasty trial. Well, I think it depends, because, I mean, you could also argue that if you do go through with the trial, it keeps you in the press. Regardless it of does, whether it's good or bad. But there's too much weighing on a jury and whether or not that jury is going to be knowledgeable enough about the, the subject matter and sympathetic to one side or the other. So it's a gamble. You know, honestly, this is the thought that I have going on right now in the tech industry. I feel like... You know, a lot of trials, I mean, Apple and Samsung has slowed down. And I feel like what's happening is that we're starting to see these trial cases slow down because what does it gain the company? If all the tech companies are copying from each other anyway, it's more about who makes the best quality of products. And... I think tech companies are not trying to compete with each other as much anymore as they are trying to say, here's what our offerings are. Come to us if you want this. And they're allowing competition to flourish. And this is not Steve Jobs' Apple anymore. They're not about the lawsuits. They're not about those things. Yeah, I agree with that. And, you know, with that settlement, um, I believe I read that Qualcomm's um, modems are going to be present in, what is it, 2020 iPhones, I think it is? Yeah, it was 2020 or 2021. I don't remember which. 2020 sounds right, though. Yeah, I think it is 2020. Um, so, very interesting. And and on top of that, um, right as this um, settlement happened, who's stepping out of the 5G modem market? Intel. So, yes. it's just very interesting how all that comes together at once. Literally, I read those stories, right? Like, I, I read them, uh, and I'm like, what? Yeah. That was literally my reaction kinda, huh? when I read those stories. <laughs> I was like... Excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> kind of check the date, right, be like, exactly. April 1st? What? Um, <laughs> no? Okay. I mean, everybody I just, thought the you, air you know power what, cancellation though? was going to be a big old April Fool's joke, but no. And, and yeah, to that's me, true. And to me, that's Apple news as well. The I mean, it's old news, but I'm still really upset about bitter, it because bitter i'm i'm you know i i have the new airpods and it is definitely written on the side of that box oh ouch not That's inside gonna be a very valuable box though not inside the box <laughs> but on the side of the box that it can be used with air power and so it kind of stinks for them that they published the airpods right before they killed the air power it does, but I mean, honestly, there comes a point at which even Apple can't beat the laws of physics, and just the science behind these this this thing—not just having three separate coils, but having this thing be able to charge your stuff no matter where you plop it on that pad—is just a feat in technological design that just defies some thermodynamic laws. And there are just some things that would be awfully hard to overcome, if if possible at all. And so, 
I think they can do it. I just don't think the technology is there to do it yet. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> which is basically years, what I was about maybe. to say. But yeah, I don't think and we're there right who now. Who knows? Right, and who knows? You know, if we wait uh, maybe a couple years, maybe if they have time to refine the design, it may end up being better than what was initially going to be released in the first place. Hey, at least Apple didn't release a little fire starter. Well, know, yeah, that's true. That and that's kind of what I was and that's that's kind of what I was getting at, but I was just I I was literally going to approach it in a completely different way. I was going to be like, I would rather them be like, look, we thought we were going to be able to make air power work. We can't as opposed to pushing on, getting it out the door, and then having all these consumers come across these issues. I feel like if they had proceeded with air power, it would have been a lot worse for them than, you know, them deciding to just cancel it, even though the packaging yeah. for the AirPods talks about the air power and stuff. I mean, and we're talking about risk to people here. We're talking about heating problems. And that's just something you don't want to mess with. Really, I think it was the best decision that Apple could have made, and I think it was smart. I don't think some other companies, if they had prototypes and, and were having these kinds of issues, some companies would have gone ahead and released. And I think Apple made the good consumer conscious decision here and said, eh, nope, nope, doesn't meet our standards, doesn't meet what we want. It's not coming out. Now, if only they could do that with the butterfly keyboards. Yeah, I know. I just, I couldn't help <sighs> Don't it. Don't get sorry. me started on butterfly keyboards. But, you know, they're, they're, and, you know, we said we weren't going to bring this up in the show because, you know, we're restarting this and concentrate on Apple. But to sound like Renee Ritchie and others here, at least Apple really does say if they can't make a product be the best that it can be, they won't put it out to market. And all right, I'm bringing it up. Samsung releasing their Galaxy Fold, and these things are falling apart. We couldn't, we couldn't avoid it. We just couldn't avoid it. Okay, these (laughs) things having this film over top that looks like you can peel it off, and then when you do, the thing is falling apart, and just, uh, there's some real quality control. Yeah, okay, iPhones have bent, but have iPhones, like, become unusable because they were a little bent? No. Sure, there are isolated iPhone issues and and things that that do go wrong, but... Geez, these things were out for 10 minutes and people are already breaking screens. Come on. See, my question is, is it a quality control issue or is it an actual, like, full-on design issue? Yeah, and, and you know, the the thing with Apple is, you know, they're, they make really good products. I mean, the iPad, to me is one of the best things that they've... The new iPad Pros are one of the best things they've ever made. And some of them... Weren't some of them bent? Some of them... When they came out? Some of them would bend. Yes. Yeah. But, I mean, these... While they're bad, okay? I'm not saying that that these things aren't bad, but they're very surface level. Pardon the fun. The fun pun. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. Surface level. (laughs) You know, surface of the device bending. Get it? Okay. Anyway, and we're not talking about Microsoft here. These are very, fairly low-level things compared to what Apple, for example, has just dealt with with this battery thing. They don't need another large-size 
scandal like the battery problems, where if you don't, if you aren't aware of this, Apple received some very heavy criticism for essentially throttling their their older phones back so that the battery could handle pressure from higher processor ta- related tasks. So so if your battery wasn't supporting peak for peak performance, I can speak, um, your phone may have run slower. And, well, I mean, those of us who are tech-savvy know that the alternative to that is possibly a phone shutting down if it's subjected to too much pressure on, on its systems. But your general person doesn't know or understand that. And, you know, the the argument could be made that Apple should have opened about that. But all that to say that Apple doesn't need another giant scandal right now. And I think that the pulling back and cancellation of air power is smart. Even though, yes, okay, they're, they're getting and have gotten quite a bit of flack off of it. At least they didn't release a product that burnt somebody or caught something on fire or ruined three devices at once. Mm, can you imagine? Mm, nice, toasty iPhone, AirPods, and Apple Watch. Mm-hmm. That's a very costly I just say, replacement. Right? And I seriously doubt it would smell like baked apples. No. Ooh, but now I want baked apples with cinnamon on them. Crap. Dang it, Jason. <laughs> I don't think that'd be covered under your Apple Care, though. No. And they wouldn't be made with the lightning port. I wonder if that tree that exploded here in Austin this morning uh, now has a lightning port. (laughs) Oh, but, you know, baked apples would totally show up Apple's truly wireless future. (laughs) Well, I guess I I could get one by, you know, getting a a smart oven, you know, that I could set for my phone. Hey. Stretching. And it would be be one of Apple's uh, first products in a long time that didn't ship with voiceover. Anyway, um, so we're going to cover a couple quick news stories for you. One of them is that Apple is now doing data transfer between Macs at no charge in the Apple Store. Um, this is this is great if you are switching Macs, like I may be later this year. I am clinging on to my 2015 MacBook Pro with all of my heart and all of my life because I do not want that stupid butterfly keyboard. Oh, Shut up. Anyway, um, there there are still articles and angry blog posts and things about the butterfly keyboard even today. Um, so, you know, not ready, not ready. Um, dust happens, Apple. It is it is the world, and people live with pets and other people, and dust happens, and then keyboards break. Mm-hmm. So, um. <sighs> off the high horse. So Apple will be um, freely transferring data between your Macs if you'd like it done. Personally, I don't, but for the general consumer, this is a great service. I I like to set my Macs up from scratch very much. I do too. And I've only had a data transfer at an Apple store from one Mac to another Mac specifically due to the circumstances in which I obtained the Mac I have now. Um, Short version, warranty issues, they gave me a new Mac. So yeah, that was really the only time that data had been migrated from one Mac to another. The other times I have just set my Macs up myself. I I like 
you know, getting to use the new thing, getting to go through the setup process and, you know, all that fun stuff. It's just, it's, it's fun. So I'm not taking that away from myself. I'm sorry. Michael, what are your uh, thoughts on this? I think it's a really cool idea that they're doing this. Um, my only concern would be, you know, do they get everything? And I, I feel like it may be certain things they could transfer, but you know, I, folks, if you could transfer your own data, take, take that, um, responsibility and ownership and do that. I understand if you're getting rid of your Mac and you're giving it to Apple, that may be a good use for this, but you know, if you're keeping your Mac, transfer your data, do your do your work, because that way everything goes where you want it, not where well, a tool puts it. And nobody else's well, paws are on your data. And your your data right. is never on some tool that may or may not be... Like, I'm, I'm not saying that Apple is insecure, but I'm saying that everything can be hacked. And so where where is this data? Where... What's going on with it? Um, yeah, and that's my concern. Keep in, and and, and and keep in mind that macOS has a number of tools built into it to allow you to do just that. And there's some third-party solutions you can get as well. You know, it has Time Machine. You could make a Time Machine backup of your old Mac and then restore that to your new Mac. I've done it. Um, I think there's also like Carbon Copy Cloner, which is a third-party resource, and there's also Migration Assistant if you can have both Macs active at the same time. So if you're not getting rid of your old Mac to get a new one, you can you can use Migration Assistant to copy your data over that way as well. So you've you've got a lot of ways available to you in order to transfer your data over from one Mac to another. And there's also iCloud, you know, apps that store data in iCloud. So you've got several options at your disposal. Now that we've talked a little bit about the news, like I said, this is not going to be a news-heavy show, folks. We're going to have news sections, but we're not going to exclusively make this an Apple News show. Even though, you know, Apple News Plus just came out, so this could be an Apple News show. Get it? Get it? Get it? I still love that show. Anyway. That that, that, that Apple News Plus stuff. Yeah. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Hey, this show is <laughs> Apple News Plus. Get it? Apple News Plus stuff. See? All right, I'm I'm reaching. It's getting late. Ugh. Anyway, so we're now going to go to a segment in our show we are going to call Beyond the Gallery. Beyond the Gallery is already a website where people can contribute different shortcuts that you can use with the Shortcuts app on iOS to get stuff done. And Michael is going to be the host of this little mini segment on our show. And uh, Michael, take it away. So this segment will always remain on this show. It may be pre-recorded some weeks or some months, and I might be here for others. I happen to be here this time because I'm going to be part of the discussion later today. But there's also going to be a dedicated Beyond the Gallery show each month, so be excited about that. Today, I wanted to talk to you guys about a shortcut that I'm very happy about uh, that I think everybody should have, whether you're blind, low vision, or sighted. And this is a shortcut that you can create very easily, or you could get it at beyondthegallery.app. And this shortcut is handwriting recognition to text. 
this shortcut is very scalable. You could do all kinds of stuff with it. But basically, the reason why it's useful for anybody is, say somebody writes on your iPad with your Apple Pencil, their phone number, different things like that. Or you have enough vision to write down notes. Or, you know, you like to write a lot of notes and you have good penmanship. Well, you could take that and convert it into text and save it as a new note or just save it to, you know, iCloud Drive or Dropbox. This shortcut is made up of three actions. The first one is find notes. And all you do is add this, pick the number of notes you want to pick from, and that's all you need to do. Then what you need to do is pick a select from list, which will bring up a list of the notes you select from that list. And then you can do share or save file. And that will either bring up a, a share sheet or a file save option where you could pick what service and what file name. And that's all you have to do. Very easy shortcut. When you pick from the list of notes, it will give you the first line of handwritten text that's recognized. VoiceOver will read it, so it's completely accessible. And there you go. It's all converted to text for you. So if you need to know how to drag actions and do all those things, look back at our demo cast on the Shortcuts app. We will have a link to that in the show notes, along with a link to Beyond the Gallery and a link to this shortcut. So again, you can either build this shortcut yourself if you're feeling adventurous, or if not, head to beyondthegallery.app and find the shortcut there. All right. So, all right. Discussion time. Pull up a chair. Sit down. This is going to get heavy. So, pass with, the rolls. No, oh, no. <laughs> no. I ain't got no butter. <laughs> oh, but what about that nice um what is it? Honey butter or whatever it is at oh, Texas the Roadhouse? Apple, uh, the cinnamon butter. The cinnamon butter. Oh. Oh. You're a jerk. <laughs> I don't like cinnamon you Cinnamon butter on your baked apples? Ah, stop it. Stop no, it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop gross. That's gross. I mean, there is apple butter, which is essentially apples and cinnamon and things, but there is no butter in there. Anyway, um, what is this? We are getting way off the apple train. So, it's so late. I think that's why. Yeah, I swear it is. So, with the release of iOS 12.2 came something called accessibility events in voiceover settings. And this caused quite the uproar. Because if you look at the description for the setting in voiceover settings, it talks about the ability for websites to be able to detect your use of assistive technology. And guess what? It's on by default. Apple released this feature with very little explanation as to what it did, how it worked, what actual information that was going to give developers access to, and just kind of dropped the ball a little on this. And they have released a support article, which we'll be 
we will be linking to in the show notes, which further explains this setting and the complementary setting that must be turned on in the advanced portion of Safari settings in order for this to have any effect. However, our discussion today is going to be surrounding this along with other things and essentially privacy. What kind of information do developers get access to? How can it be used? And how can it be used badly? So Michael is our developer guy (laughs) and has done a lot of app development and things like that. And it would be interesting to know, first of all, your take on this accessibility event issue, and also what kinds of things can developers query the system for as far as user data like this? Very good questions. Um, So basically, as I understand it, basically the way that the web version of this works, you have what's called the accessibility object model the AOM, which is different from what's called the document object model. Now, the way that websites work is they are a document, like a Word document. And apparently, there is a complementary document model called the AOM. What's interesting is is that with the AOM, you can add different events and different... um, options for for the document. And the what's interesting to me about this is that a document model does not suggest events. Like I don't believe that a accessibility object model would be able to tell the user if or the developer if voiceover is on. It actually is something on a website that voiceover could use. Now, they may have a way to detect, and that actually might be how it happens, that a website is using a, uh, or that a client is using the accessibility object model and be able to make changes based on that. So that's an interesting perspective there, and that might be why they have that in both places. But it's interesting on an app side all of these options are on and there's no way to turn them off. So as an app developer, I can query if voiceover is on. I can query, you know, um, different things about the accessibility environment. Like I think there's font things. Yeah, I can tell about fonts that the user's using, those kind of things to tailor my interface to suit the person's needs. And some of those things we don't want, like what Twitter and others have done in the past, Hmm. or the Amazon app. Yeah. But in other cases, they're very useful for instance, what is supported through the uh, what I've been able to do with VO Starter. So, VO Starter actually, uh, you know, looks to see if voiceover is enabled and tells the user, hey, to get the most out of this app, please enable voiceover. And... It's things like that that are important to make an app like that be useful. So I do feel like there is a difference of need between apps and mobile. But here's, here's and I'll just pl- uh, play devil's advocate right here once. What if somebody wanted to make a VO starter 
web app? I can see it, but I think, unfortunately, the larger body of developers don't know how to do it right. And so you get experiences like that were in Twitter for iOS, for example, where for a long time, voiceover users did not have access to the 280 character limit. They were limited to 140. In the Amazon app, the A person button was not available to voiceover users for the longest time. There are very bad ways to use this kind of information. And you can have experiences that are far less than equal to what a sighted person gets in an app or on a website. And that is what a lot of people are looking to avoid. We don't want this information in the hands of a developer who's going to kind of use it as an excuse. So, well, I built this separate experience for those people and I can continue to do whatever I want with my main experience. No, that's not how this works. You know, in in a in a perfect world, the main experience would be accessible to both sighted and blind users and those with other disabilities as well and would be um would be usable by everybody with with the fewest number of modifications possible and everybody would have the same access to the same thing at the same time and so you know while i understand the the definite benefits you know as far as vo starter and and other apps like it that use this information in a great way there are certainly very strong drawbacks. And I neglected to mention earlier that this is also available on Mac OS. So we're not just talking mobile Safari here, we're talking about Mac OS Safari as well. So definitely interesting. And apparently, according to the article, this has been worked on with the W3C, um, this particular and, model. Yeah, and Google too. Mm-hmm. So, so Apple, Google, Apple, Google, W3C. W3C. I feel like there are some people who want to do really good things. I just hope that the the scope of this is not so broad that we're going to be shooting ourselves in the foot in terms of access. And that it's a little concerning to me. It's also a bit concerning to me that I understand that the Safari-based setting has to be turned on in order for the feature to work. But the fact that the voiceover setting is on is disturbing. Just with the way the setting is described, which seems that it's poorly done, and if that's all that it does, then the description is far too broad. Um, it should not have been on by default. It feels a little too much like a giant privacy violation on Apple's part, even if it's not. And it looks pretty darn sinister to those of us who are way too used to people trying to shove screen reader users into a separate class. Um, and so those are, those are my thoughts on it. Jason, we haven't heard from you too much. What are your thoughts? My thoughts pretty much echo yours um i i just i think that these accessibility events do have 
some uh, some some benefits. But you know, like you, I'm also afraid of how they could negatively be used, and I just I just hope that we don't really see people negatively using the vents. I hope that they're just used for good. But as we all know, there are bad actors everywhere. There are. So it's going to be really interesting to see um, what happens moving forward. And 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 like you, I think that the uh, feature should be disabled um, in voiceover settings by default as well. And I think that the first time you toggle it on, if you decide to turn it on, it should also give you information like maybe, you know, it should bring up like a, it, it might bring up like a dialogue that says, you know, this is what this feature is for. If you want to learn more about it, tap here and then you could read more about it and then it wouldn't really bug you again after you, you know, uh, confirmed that dialogue because obviously you would have in theory read the information. So I think that's something else they could do to help, you know, maybe assuage some of the worry behind this new experimental, because apparently this is experimental feature that is um, now a part of voiceover. And yeah. Safari. Well, and here's the thing that bothers me, I guess the bigger, bigger picture thing that bothers me about this. Apple is, has always been very privacy focused. Extremely so. They want you to know what you're getting into. They want you to know the implications of what you're signing up for when you use a certain product or service. That is the complete opposite of this setting that is on by default and isn't explained. When you upgrade your device... The only reason you're going to know that setting is there is if you go into voiceover settings and look around. Um, That's how I found out about yep. it. Yep. And so the general user who only goes into voiceover settings to tweak something when something's wrong isn't going to see it. And so my big concern is, you know, Apple turns it on by default, kind of hides it from you, and then doesn't tell you what what it's doing and isn't isn't clear isn't transparent and i think that's the opposite of apple's normal mission about being very customer focused and that just bothers me well and and to be honest with you this is the other thing that bothers me we have a lot of black box technology in safari and i'm just going to use that word because we don't know as an iOS user, what Safari is seeing. To use the web inspector that you get on Safari for Mac or Chrome or any other browser, you actually have to hook your phone or iPad up to a Mac. There is a web inspector option, but it requires the use of a Mac to use. And that's another drawback on iOS that doesn't make it a full computing platform because you can't test your website code to see you know, what people are doing or if your own creations are working well. So I feel like that's kind of another stab in Safari uh, as a browser on mobile because you have the accessibility limitations and you have the testing limitations as well. Uh, yet, you cannot change your browser to go to any other as a default. 
fun times. And that's, I think that could be an issue that, you know, Apple is, is running into or may soon is that if you want to use a different web browser to change the way your data is used and managed, say you want to use Chrome, but anytime you click any link in iOS, it shoves you into Safari. That's kind of bad as far as but consumer a, choice goes. So here's an issue that I see with default browsers. Isn't it true that when you use any browser in iOS, they have to use WebKit? That is correct, but there are things that you can do to add on to WebKit. That's just the rendering engine, and you can definitely, through shortcuts and other means, view the source of the web page in Safari. So you can inspect the page, but they need to have that feature built in by default. And so it is something that Chrome or others can build in by default. Yeah, and I think I think all of this leads to a, a cautionary tale. And that's always, every time you update, you know... It's not a bad idea to go look through your settings and see if there's anything new that you need to pay attention to. It's not a bad idea to take a look at release notes, to take a look at what people are saying online. Take a look at things and make yourself aware of the things that have come up and that are new so that you can go change them if you don't like the data that Apple or whatever OS is collecting from you. So... Or you could always listen to the iCast again to find out what's changed. I said what I did because we may not always catch everything. So, and nobody's perfect. And that's why pulling your resources together, looking at multiple sources of information is important. Because, you know, Apple's not as open as Android, for example, in in the data that developers can collect from the user. There's still a lot, though. Isn't there, Michael? I mean, there's still a lot of information that developers can just grab from from the user before they even have to get user consent for it. Not as much as in the past. I mean, you could get their... Uh, you can't even get their actual device ID anymore. Really? Right. I mean, it's, it's uh, a random device identifier is generated to send... Um, to a, if you know, if you're sending it to a server, uh, that's all random. It's not actually the device identifier because, uh, developers were actually, uh, exploiting device identifiers for different things. So even that is spoofed. Yeah. And, and as I said, you know, the data that you can collect as a developer is a lot less than you can get on Android. I'm sure. Um, because the OS is more, much more open. Well, believe it or not, on Android, they're tightening, tightening that down a lot. And I'll talk about that on the Acast with Android Q. But, and there are ways on Android to get any data. But yeah. if your app is going to be in Google Play, it has to follow guidelines. And there Can you are- see the accessibility state? In Google as well? I believe you can, and it's actually more dynamic because of the fact that you could have more than one screen reader. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But basically, there are ways to get information. And especially on Android, um, you know, you could sideload apps and infect people. 
But even on Apple these days, um, you can now have enterprise profiles that can actually damage your phone. Yep. You and can isn't jailbreak. That how Google and but, Facebook got in trouble. Yes, but they're uh, on different websites, even mainstream websites. There have been jailbreak your iPhone for without having to root or anything like that, and it's like, ooh. Stay away! Stay away! And inherently, I don't see a problem with this. But you better be prepared to read that enterprise profile to make sure that it doesn't also contain a VPN or some other method for sending data between uh, your phone and somewhere else. So privacy uh, is important. And so keep that in mind as you use your devices. Yeah. And Apple's not, I mean... As, as we're seeing right now, Apple's not perfect. And, you know, yes, Apple's much more of a walled garden. Things are much less likely to reach out and bite you on iOS, but they can still. And so owning an iOS device does not mean becoming complacent. Owning a Mac does not mean becoming complacent. You can still get bad things on those devices. You can still sign up for services that improperly use your data. You can still sign up for things that will, that have hidden things inside them and will sell your, your, sell your soul to the highest bidder. And you can still do all these things. So the point of Yeah, it's called Facebook. Yeah, it is called Facebook. Oh. Oh, man. Facebook has gotten themselves in deep. Um, but that is a topic oh, for another yeah. show. Um, there have been some very much, there have been some leaked things that are not good for Facebook. Um, I was reading those to Jason yesterday, I think, on Team Talk, maybe Tuesday. Um, I, yeah, it was one of those days. And then I, I saw um, that article. I didn't read the whole thing, but I did see it after the fact. Yeah. It, so Facebook's yeah, in rough. Are pretty bad for, I don't want to be them. No, no, no. So the point is, take a look at, and you know, this doesn't just apply to accessibility. This applies to any piece of your data. And you have to make a decision about what you're okay with giving up for the price of getting online. Because the reality is that our world is not, our online world is not private. Um, Privacy is almost, in some situations, is kind of a joke. Um, Facebook again. Um, did you see where squirrel for a minute? Did you see the article about where Facebook was asking people to confirm their, um, email addresses used for Facebook by entering their email account password? I heard about this. No. And I would say no, (laughs) never. Yeah. Oh my God. (laughs) Yeah, I heard about this on Security Now this morning, but it's, yeah, um, users were being asked to enter their email password, which would log them into their email. And, you know, there was a thing, you know, underneath, Facebook will never store your email password. Ha, ha, ha. Um, (laughs) Insert evil laugh here. The (laughs) I cast, not me choking and... Snorting with derision cast. Um, <laughs> yeah, but all that to say that um, these things can get you anywhere. 
pay attention. On iOS or not, this is not just an Android thing, folks. No, 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 no. This is a that particular item was a Facebook thing that I was talking about. This could happen on any platform. Pay attention. But let me put it like this. The nice thing about Apple is they will always try to stay one step ahead of the sneaky developers. You know, Apple has very strict guidelines for a reason. And now as long as they follow them themselves, (laughs) Apple Apple News News Plus, Plus. um, you know, I think that everything is great. Uh, But, you know, they'll always people will always try to find a way around them. And so I'm just happy that, you know, we have great services, great accessibility. And I'll talk more about this on the ACAST. But, you know, I got to look at a, a, at a Samsung Galaxy Tab S4. Beautiful device, right? Shut up and get off my show. <laughs> Beautiful device. <laughs> but, and it has this feature called Samsung DeX which makes it into a desktop computer, and it looks very, very sweet. It makes it look like a Chromebook. Off my show. Hang on. I'm getting to the to the Apple, praise, praise Apple uh, go, boy, part. Go, 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 go. Um, basically, <laughs> you cannot use magnification accessibility features with Samsung DeX. Oh, yay. He's crapping on Samsung. Okay, you can stay on my show. <laughs> so... I like the feature, but I could never use it because I can't zoom in the screen enough to even use that feature. So, you know, the the tablet could be amazing, but if I can't use every feature that's available to me, I'm not going to use it. You know, and Google you know, makes Samsung. The, go ahead. Sorry, um, I was just going to say that you know, and Samsung. This is not the first time they've done something like this. You know, it, this is not the first Samsung feature that you are not able to use if you use accessibility features. I mean, there were even apps on their watches that you just can't use. It it tells you that, you know, this this application is not yeah. supported by screen readers or yep. something. And I've heard... And you never see that. No. At least not no. that I've ever seen with an Apple product. No. Never. Um... As as much as we sometimes like to kind of get after Apple for some things, you, no, you just don't. And th- I've heard talk that these um, in-display fingerprint sensors are not working with TalkBack. Um, that's a very recent thing that I've seen a couple of people talking about, and that's very concerning to me. And it's something that Apple just would not do. As and and this this. This kind of gets me focused on a lot of what happens when Apple announces new f- products and services, which is a lot of blind people going, eh, it's not going to be accessible. Eh. Um, okay. But come on, guys. When has, except back in the very much older days, pre-accessible iPhone. Has Apple really done that? In a product where it's feasible to to make it accessible, in a product where it, it should be accessible, has Apple really done that to us? Right, because even the iPod Shuffle, I believe it was. Shuffle didn't no, have it a may not have used <laughs> that Well, which count. whichever which not not the iPod Shuffle, which 
the, the nano what was he the nano yeah yeah the nano had a Didn't screen even the ipod yeah but did it, it also had voiceover mm-hmm. right i think even so. if it wasn't um i don't think it was text to speech i think it used um i didn't think the original nano think had the first had one I don't think the original one did. I thought the original one had that like text to speech version of recorded version thing of voiceover. Mm-mm. I don't think the original did, but I think future ones did. But past 2007, not 2007, 2009, was it when voiceover came out? On right, for iOS. On the iPhone, yeah. yeah. yeah past I- 2009, I mean, even the Apple Watch. Guys, the Apple Watch could have been something where Apple could have decided, not reasonably, but could have decided, eh, we're just not going to make this accessible. They didn't do it. The Series Zero Apple Watch had voiceover. I had one. It worked. It was slow. But it worked. It was awesome. And, you know, these new things, the HomePods. You know how much complaining I saw about HomePods coming out that... With that, oh, we're not going to be able to use the touch controls. Voiceover on the HomePod. If you need it. I have mine turned off. But if you need it, it's there. And the touch bar on the Macs. I saw some of the same stuff about the Mac touch mm-hmm. bar. But voiceover works. I mean, we, we got kind of sidetracked here. But all that to say well, that. Well, one last thing. And I want to commend them for this. The touch bar even works for us low vision folks because I can't look down there and see that touch bar. But what it does support is I can run my finger across the touch bar and it brings up a dock effect where it shows the items on the screen and I can release my finger to activate the item. Now, the thought that went into that to make that a reality is truly why Apple provides one of the best experiences for accessibility. Agreed. And like I said, we got we did get sidetracked from our main topic, but I think it all wraps up together in in this one thought. And that is owning a piece of technology and going online with that piece of technology requires a bit of responsibility from you as the user. And the company that and provides the company. it. Absolutely, but um you know, the company has a responsibility to you to try to keep your data as safe as possible, but you have a responsibility to yourself to review those policies that the company company implements and say and ask yourself whether that's acceptable. And ask yourself not only on that level, but on a broader level, do the policies of the company that I'm working with with my technology do they reflect me as a as a person do they do they reflect my values so for an example i had a samsung galaxy s7 as my android device i do some testing and samsung the experience on the device was poor that i had the the it worked once I got TalkBack installed and once I got a bunch of Android apps installed that were um, not Samsung stock apps, but the Samsung apps, a lot of them were just not useful to me. So I had to force the phone to do what I wanted. 
And I'm seeing a lot of these accessibility type issues with the new Samsung phones. And when it was time for me to switch phones, I said, Samsung's policies and practices don't align with my values. So I said, no more. And I switched to a Google Pixel. That is my Android phone of choice because I believe a bit more in the accessibility practices of Google. And so it's always a good idea to keep up with the companies that you're interested in and the technologies that you're interested in. Always a good idea. Um, you know, just to keep yourself knowledgeable and to keep yourself protected. And with that, we're going to go ahead and wrap this first episode of the iCast. It has been a fun one, and it's it's the first one in a good series of them. Even though it's episode two, it is the first in a long while. So with that, we're going to get everybody's contact information. You're going to hear iAccessibility's contact information at the end. But for now, Jason, where can people find you online? People can find me producing content for iAccessibility. You can email me at jason at iAccessibility.net. You can search for me on Facebook. Just search for Jason Earls. If you do search for me on Facebook, please tell me that you found me from our podcast. You can also follow me on Twitter at JDE91. That is Juliet Delta Echo 91. All right. And Michael, where can people find you? Well, first off, I want to say that along with being an amazing podcast today, it's been some amazing Slack conversations, so uh, if you want to join in next time, you can by joining the iAccessibility Slack, which will be in our closing information, but I'll go ahead and put it here as well, iAccessibility.net slash Slack. If you want to get a hold of me, you can by emailing Mike Doeys, it's M-I-K-E-D-O-I-S-E at iAccessibility.net. I am Mike Doeys on Twitter. If you want to find me on Facebook, just search for Michael Doeys. And let me know that you found me on the IACast network. And you can also go to my website, michaeldoeys.com, and learn what I'm working on. And you can find my shortcuts at beyondthegallery.app. All right. And you can find me, Aaliyah Dudley, producing content for iAccessibility. You can email me at Aaliyah, that's A-L-E-E-H-A at iAccessibility.net. And you can follow me on Twitter at blindcowgirl199. And before we wrap up, you can find the iCast on Twitter at the iCast. That's right, it's just the iCast. And you can email us at iCast.iAccessibility.net. And don't forget to join our Slack conversation, iAccessibility.net slash Slack. Thank you so much for listening. This has been episode two of the iCast. You're going to hear iAccessibility's contact information right after we sign off. It has been a great show. Thanks so much, everybody, for being here. Bye, everybody. Bye, guys. Bye, everyone. This show has been brought to you by the IACast Network. We love hearing from you. Email us at feedback at iAccessibility.net. Got Twitter? Follow us at iAccessibility1. Facebook? Search for iAccessibility. Download our free apps for iOS and Android. And keep up with all of our content at iAccessibility.net. If you'd like to donate to our show, hit the PayPal button on our website. Get early access to our outtakes with a donation at patreon.com slash IACast. Thanks for listening. Copyright 2019, iAccessibility, LLC.